Um, by the way, if you are new or visiting, join us afterwards for some coffee and tea. Also, if you want to help us with the coffee and tea, that'll be great because the growth group that was meant to do it um, got kind of shut down by COVID. Our group is doing it now as well, but we've got people with COVID as well and then sick and away and whatnot. So if you want to come and lend a hand, we'd love to have you help us. Um, but let's get into Acts. So um, we've been going through this series. We've t- called it Sent, going through the book of Acts, because it's all about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ that has sent out his apostles into the world and his church to go from Jer- Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we today are still sent once, and we're trying to learn um, lots of things about what life looks like as sent once from the book of Acts. And we're in chapter 3 from verse 1 uh, today. We're going to read a whole chapter and a little bit more. So we need to get stuck into it. There's not time for chit-chat. So Acts chapter 3 from verse 1. It'll be on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible. Uh, I'm going to read for us and then, uh, by God's grace, try and bring his word to us to bear um, kind of fruit and to come real into our lives. Let's pray. Acts chapter 3 from verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, Why do you wonder at this, or or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, he glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you instead. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, 
whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Let's pray. Father God, your word tells us right here about what Moses prophesied. He, 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 he told of a day when another prophet like him will come. And we need to listen to that great prophet. And he is the one that defines who your people are. And we know, especially as we went through the book of Matthew, that Jesus is that great and final prophet like Moses. And so, Jesus, would you speak to us today? You are the last word from uh, our heavenly Father. And we want to listen. We want to be carefully listening that we might be blessed, that we might enjoy this time of refreshment that is promised in this passage and uh, to have you come back for us and restore all things as you promised. So be with us today. It's a big passage with lots of detail. Uh, lead us through it and speak to us uh, that we might uh, repent and turn back and respond rightly to you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name and for our good. Amen. Now, I wonder, have you ever heard of the Internet age? Have you, have you heard of the Internet age? Um, now, if you're thinking, oh, what's the internet age? I should probably Google that. Well, then you were probably born after the 1990s, and you don't know a time without the internet. You have actually just been living in the internet age your whole life. But would you believe it? There was a time when the internet didn't exist. And, and maybe even more surprising, people survived, and they even thrived without the internet. Uh, and if you were one of the ones that went, oh, the internet age, you know, like how simple life was before smartphones and, and uh, internet banking and paperless billing and paperless mailing, uh, well, then you were probably born before the 1990s, but quite a bit before the 1990s, and you would know a very different world before the internet age. Now, when a time, a new time or a new age come along, like the internet age, or maybe when the cars first came in, um, we have to embrace it and align ourselves with it to some extent, or otherwise we're kind of left behind. And for some, that could have a huge impact, and for others, maybe less so. Uh, but eventually, we have to fit in with every new age that comes along, or at least find out where we sit in it, uh, whether we like it or not. And in our passage today, we see the dawning of a new age that's starting to take effect. 
a new age that kind of has begun as a result of Jesus' victorious death and his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of God where he is now ruling. We've been looking at that in Acts chapter 1 and 2. And as, as part of his rule, he has poured out his spirit on, on his apostolic messengers, his witnesses, in a special way to show that they are his authorized spokesmen, but also on the other 3,000 people that has come to him on the day of Pentecost. And we've looked at this over the last couple of weeks. And today we will see this reality, this, this new age starting to shape the followers of Jesus more and more and more. And, and we will see three new realities that shape them and that should shape us today. And here they are. We will see the new time. We live in a new time. We'll, there is a new temple and there is also a new turning that we need to be aware of that should shape us as the church. So let's get stuck into it. The first one is the new time. Now, as, as, as I've already mentioned, there is a new age that has dawned, but I want to prove it to you uh, from our passage. It's briefly mentioned there in chapter 3, verse 24. Please keep your Bibles open, and, and we'll keep looking at this together. Chapter 3 from verse 24. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You see, all the prophets from Moses, the first prophet, to Samuel, his successor, and every other prophet that came after them, they all said that there was coming a new time, a time that is different to the time that they were living in. And they all said this. And what, what is this new time like? These, these days that Peter is talking about, um, that he was in and they were in and that we are in, well, look there at verse 19 to 21. We, we see the word time come up there again. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. You see, this new time... What we find in this is the forgiveness of sin. We can, we can have our sins blotted out through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this new time doesn't just have that, but it also is a time of being refreshed by Jesus' presence. Did you notice that? And we also see that, that as, as good as this new time is, that God is busy fulfilling uh, lots of the promises that he made long ago, it's going to get even better. There is coming another time that will be even better. When, when this new time that we live in now comes to an end, the Lord Jesus will come back and he will restore everything as God has promised. So it's going to have another level up, if you like. And so we live in this, this new time that theologians like to call the, the now and not yet. So right now, in Jesus, God has fulfilled many of his promises already and they're bearing on our lives but also he has not yet fulfilled all of them and he will fulfill all of them when Jesus returns. That's this new time that we live in. And we probably see it even more clearly uh, if we understand our, our Bible, um, this arrival of this new time in the healing of the lame man at the beginning of our story. You see, Peter commands this man in Jesus' name to get up and walk. And would you believe it? He just gets up and walks. He's never walked. He's been lame from birth. And he just gets up. He needs no physio. He needs no rehab. 
His legs and his ankles and his feet are just strong immediately. He doesn't even need to learn how to walk. He's just bang, straight into it. And, and no wonder we are told that the people were filled with wonder and amazement there in verse 10. And, and they were utterly astounded in verse 11. And, and, and this man didn't just walk. He was also leaping, which, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But, but look there at verse 8. It's mentioned twice. Verse 8, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising. Everyone's probably just walking normally, and he's kind of like leaping, jumping around, really excited, really obvious who's the guy that's only just started walking today. Um, and he's praising God. Notice how Luke wants us to realize that this lame man is now not just walking, but he's leaping, and he's not praising the apostles, but he's praising God for what has happened to him. And Luke is intentionally doing this because he wants to remind us of a passage in Isaiah, I think. Uh, have a look at this, Isaiah 35 from verse 3 to 6. This is what God says. He says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recomp- recompense of God. He will come and save you. And how are we going to know this time has come? Well, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. They'll be opened up again. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. You see, God promised a time when he will come and save his people himself. And the way that we we know uh, that this time has come upon us is when the lame man leaped like a deer, among other things, And so that's exactly what's happened in our story, and Luke wants to point it out for us. And so we know that the new time has come. Now, I I spoke to a man just this week, actually. I'm really glad I did it, because obviously now it's in the sermon, and it's really helpful. (laughs) Uh, But I bump into him all the time at school when we drop our kids off at school. Uh, And we we kind of say hi and then just move on. But this time I thought, I'm going to try and make some time and have a proper chat with him. He's, he's lost both his legs. He's in a wheelchair. And, and so I've always wondered, how do I bring up this thing? Like, how do I talk to him in an honorable way? I want to know the story and I want to love him uh, in a way that's helpful to him. And so, so I approached him and, and um, he told me that he lost both his legs. I didn't even have to ask about it in God's kindness. He just started talking to me. He told me that he lost his legs in 2018 during a heart operation. And I said to him, wow, mate, like, gee, that must have been pretty life transforming. You know, you go into the, the surgery and you're fine and then you come out and your legs are gone. And, and life is so different. And he said to me, yeah, it was, it was really radical, but not just physically, also spiritually. And then he started telling me how he used to be a Hindu. Didn't, didn't know about Jesus really at all, didn't talk to him, wasn't interested, worshipped all these other gods. His whole family comes from a long line of Hinduism, and as he was lying pretty much on his deathbed in hospital, um, he had a vision from the Lord Jesus who said to him, you will not die, and I am going to be with you, even though you've never heard of me, and he just appeared to him in this miraculous way. He woke up later after all the surgery and stuff, and he's like, crikey, I'm alive, and he, he got a Bible, he started reading it, and he put his faith in Jesus, and he's now a Christian. He's he's saved, he goes to a church, he loves serving at his church, and he's witnessing to the risen Lord Jesus' work. 
And he doesn't see himself as someone who's lost both his legs. He sees himself as someone who has gained everything, who has gained salvation, who has gained eternal life, who has gained a new family, who has gained a new inheritance. He has gained everything. Isn't it a wonderful story? And and, and the reason why this wonderful saving story happened is because of this new time that we're living. God himself, through the risen Lord Jesus, is breaking through into the lives of people and pouring out his spirit upon them and saving them. And and not everyone's story is maybe as clearly the work of Jesus uh, by his spirit as this man's story, but he is still working. For some people, it it, it happens when a friend just asks them, hey, do you want to sit down and start reading the Bible together? For other people, it just happens they drive past here one day and they think, you know what? Life sucks. What have I got to lose? I'm just going to walk into church today. Uh, For others, it happens as we share our testimonies and and our experience of the life-transforming power of Jesus. You know, because we live in this new age, we can be bold to witness to Jesus. We too are sent out like the apostles. And we too should boldly proclaim and witness to Jesus. He is at work by his Spirit, saving people in this new time. So let's be bold like the apostles. It's interesting, uh, when it talks about the Spirit being poured out on people and filled people, the very first thing often that happens is that they boldly proclaim the Word. And so we should too, because we live in the same new time. Now the next thing that we see that's new is we see the new temple in this passage. The the temple is where our whole story plays out, right from the start all the way through to the end. And Luke emphasizes the temple a lot. He makes sure we don't miss it, especially at the start of our story. Did you you notice Peter and John were going to the temple? The lame man was, you know, laid at the gate of the temple, and he was asking alms of those entering the temple. And it was as Peter and John entered into the temple that the man asked to receive alms from them, and he's healed, and then they all enter into the temple, and then everyone that, that was blown away by the lame man, now walking and leaping, and, and reckon, they recognize him, oh, this is the guy that, you know, that used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple. So the temple is just scattered throughout the first uh, 10 or so verses. Luke is making sure that we see that the temple is the setting of, of our story, right at the beginning. But it's interesting because none of the good things that, that, that happen and that's given to this man and promised to others in Peter's speech uh, has to do with the temple. From verse 11 of chapter 3, we don't hear anything about the temple, and it's only again in, chapter, in verse 1 of chapter 4 that the temple is mentioned. But this time it's in a more negative sense. It's the priest and the captain of the temple that now arrests Peter and John, the dudes that just did this amazing thing to this guy. And so it's very clear that God's blessings are no longer received through the temple, but through Jesus. Yes, God used to bless people through the temple, and, and I think this, this man is, is, is a witness to that. You know, if he um, wasn't put down at the temple each day and asked for alms and, and God's people were giving towards him, he would be dead but he's not. But, but, but um, a new time has come 
a new uh, temple. You know, in the, in the Lord Jesus, this lame man receives what he would normally receive through this kind of temple worship and being connected to it roughly, but he also received much, much more. He can now walk. He can now work. He can now worship fully. In the past, he's not even allowed in the temple because of his disability. Now, all of a sudden, he's brought in fully and he's able to worship fully. And now, through faith in Jesus, he can, he can fully worship God and experience a new and a refreshed life in a way that he's never experienced before. We see this quite clearly in verses 19 to 20 again. Look there at them with me. So repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. <clears throat> Did you see... Um, Peter says it is in Jesus that their sins are blotted out. And it's in Jesus at times of refreshment comes from the presence of the Lord. Now, this would have been radically new, radically new. Peter is talking with these people. They've, they've come along to the afternoon prayer, which is when they, when they did the evening sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. And, and Peter doesn't say, guys, <laughs> It's great to have your attention. It's great that you're here at the temple. We're about to do the sacrifices, so let's go out and we'll trust in these lambs that are sacrificed in the place of us and, and our sins will be forgiven. He doesn't say that, no. He says, trust in Jesus and your sins will be blotted out, wiped away by his blood that was poured out for you on the cross. Uh, it's also uh, this radically new idea that Peter says that the, that the life-giving presence of God is no longer in the temple, but is now found in Jesus. You see, they are in the temple, and Peter doesn't say to them, hey, do you want to experience uh, refreshment from God's presence? Well, if you do, you just, just turn left at that door and in, and if you can get close to the Holy of Holies where God's presence dwells, you will experience it. You know, just kind of meditate there and Get as close as you possibly can. No, he doesn't say that. Peter knows that the curtain of the, of the Holy of Holies tore from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross. And, and, and his presence is no longer there. God's presence is no longer in the temple, but access through faith in the risen Lord Jesus, through the work of his spirit. And so everything the temple provided for people is now provided in Jesus. And more broadly, in other words, to more people, and more richly, even in a better way. We'll see this more clearly next week, which is kind of an ongoing part of the story. Have a look what we'll see next week. Justin's preaching for us. I won't steal all his thunder. But this is what they say. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. You see, God is busy building a new temple with Jesus as the cornerstone. And we are built into that temple as we put our trust in Jesus as part of this new building, this spiritual building. And, and, and we are then part of it. And his presence is within us. And we experience this refreshment from, uh, from anywhere, really. We can be here, we can be in Kalgoorlie, we can be in the middle of Australia, it doesn't matter. Now, this reality, I think, should give us so much freedom and confidence. You see, um, the first point, uh, you know, that we live in this new time should give us boldness, I think, to go and preach the good news of Jesus. But the second point 
with Jesus as the new temple should give us freedom and confidence. You see, as Christians, we have the freedom to experience the blessings of God anywhere. We are not restricted to um, experiencing God's blessing at the temple or even here at church or at some religious site or a, or a spiritual location. We are free to experience the presence of God through faith in Jesus Christ anywhere by the Spirit that's within us. That's great. You see, we can, we can, let me give you some examples. We can have our sins forgiven. There's one that often happens to me. I can have my sins forgiven right next to my child's bedside when I sit down with them and say, man, I'm sorry, the way I acted towards you was sinful. And God would not be happy with that. Will you please forgive me? And together, as we pray in the name of Jesus, seeking forgiveness because of Jesus' work, I can experience forgiveness right there, next to their bed, or wherever it is I talk to them. Generally, that's where it happens. That's where it's the calmest. Um, Or we can sit at our desk at work, and we can feel deflated and discouraged, and seek refreshment from God, and reach out to Him in Jesus' name. We don't have to come to church. We don't have to go see some priest or be in some place. Just right there, in the thick of it. We can experience God's presence and blessings when we're lying in bed flattened by COVID or we're, we're, about, we're in hospital about to go into surgery. That's the freedom and the confidence we have in this new time uh, when, when, when the risen and reigning Lord Jesus is being present by his spirit and, and blessing us with forgiveness and refreshment. It's even when we feel broken, we are being built up as God's new spiritual temple where he dwells. That's good news. And then lastly, so we've seen the new um, time, we've seen the new temple, and then lastly we see the new turning. Now turning from our, from our way of living, uh, you know, our way of living to God uh, is not a new thing in the Bible. It's often one of the first words that Jesus says in the Gospels, repent and believe, turn and believe. And so, um, but it's not the first time that it comes up. Uh, In the Old Testament, people are urged to turn to God all the time. But this turning has certainly changed as you look at the ongoing life uh, of God's dealings with mankind in the Bible. We see this particularly in the prophets of the Old Testament. The the former prophets, um, go and Google what the former prophets are. The former prophets keep calling God's people back uh, to him. And, And they are urged to turn back to the covenant made with Abraham and with Isaac, and with Jacob. You know, constantly they are urged to turn back to the covenant made with their their ancestors in the past. Hey, guys, guys, stop walking contrary to the law, and turn back to the commandments, and and back to the covenant that was made back then. That's the message of the former prophets, over and over and over. But then, when you get to the latter prophets, they have a different message. They have a message of a new covenant. Not so much focus on the past, but on the future. A new covenant that would transform people's heart, that they might have God's law written on their hearts. Um, God tells us that we cannot do his will, as we see in these prophets, without a complete transformation that kind of reorients our hearts to him. And so he promises a time that he will come and he will do that, where he changes us so radically that will look like brand new people. 
And this time has obviously come. It's arrived in the Lord Jesus, as we've seen. And he's now the one that we need to turn to, this new turning. Look there with me at verses 19 to 20 again. I think this is the third time we're looking at them. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Peter is telling people who are in the temple, okay, get, get the picture. These people are in the temple. They're following the old covenant and, and the law. They're doing the law. And he says to them, hey, you need to repent and turn back. These are not rebels. These are not people that are worshiping idols or doing horrendous sins. They're in the temple at the hour of prayer. They, they seem to be doing quite well. They seem to be good, faithful Jews. And yet Peter says, turn back. It's because they need to turn to Jesus, the one that they've denied, the one that they have disowned, rejected, and killed. Jesus is turning to Jesus is this new turning that needed to happen for God to radically transform them as he has promised in the latter prophets. And the lame man, maybe if you're wondering also what's the point of the lame man in this whole story, the lame man is a living example of this. Did you notice that the lame man in our story is portrayed as pretty much dead? Did you notice what I just called him? I called him the lame man. I don't even know his name. We're not even given his name. It's, it's almost like he doesn't exist in some way. It's so sad. You, you, when you read that start of the story, everyone talks about the beautiful gate. They remember the name of the gate that this bloke sat next to, but no one even knows his name. Hey, did you, do you know the guy that I'm talking about? Yeah, the guy, like he sat next to the beautiful gate. Oh, you know the beautiful gate with the, with the very precious handles and it was made out of some special material and oh, it's got amazing patterns on it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, the guy was sitting next to that beautiful gate. Um, and and he, he did ask for money, I think, as well. But I don't really know his name. It's, it's like this guy is dead to them. He was as good as dead to his society with no legs, no ability to work, and no name. And so that's why when Peter heals him, Luke mentions twice that Peter raises him up. In verse 6, and then Peter raised him up in verse 7. And it's the same description we see in verse 15 that is used of Jesus' resurrection, how God raised him from the dead. You see, God calls us to a new turning, a turning to the risen and reigning Lord Jesus, who will radically transform us, who will raise us up. It'll be like we're being raised from the dead to new and refreshed lives. And, and if you think, man, Danny, I don't know if you can get that message from all of that details. Well, actually, have a look, because uh, at chapter 4, verse 1, Peter's message is summarized there for us. Um, look at chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people. What, what were they teaching? Well, they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Luke summarizes Peter's teaching from our passage so well for us. If you're getting lost in all the details, oh, this, this is what he was saying. Jesus can raise you from the dead. He says that Peter proclaimed in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And we are urged to turning to God anew uh, by turning to Jesus. No matter how dead we are, 
Maybe your family thinks, you know, you're as good as dead to them. And maybe society thinks, that guy's as good as dead to us. Maybe you are spiritually dead here today. It doesn't matter. You can turn to Jesus and he will give you new life. He can radically transform us and give us a new identity like he did with the lame man. I can't wait to meet that guy in heaven and actually hear his name. Because Jesus would have called him by his name. He wouldn't say, oh, where's the lame guy? Donnie wants to meet him. No, he has given him a new identity and, a, and he's, he will be called by his name. Now, what I love about this offer to turn to Jesus uh, and have your life radically transformed is who it is for. Did you notice the kind of people that Peter is offering this to? Look there from verse 13. He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, in other words, the God that you guys believe in, he glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Oh, golly, even the unbelievers thought Jesus wasn't guilty and wanted to release him, but they insisted and they rejected Jesus. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and you asked for a murderer instead to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. Do you see the kind of people who this offer is for? Have you ever denied Jesus? Well, then this is for you. Have you ever chosen to sin rather than choosing the holy and righteous way of Jesus? Well, then this offer is for you. Peter is saying to the people, you you know that Jesus that you denied and you delivered over to be unjustly killed you know how you chose the murderer in over the sinless and pure Jesus it's okay it's okay turn to Jesus and he will forgive you and and raise you to a new life he will pour out his love upon you and his grace and mercy by his spirit and you will be refreshed in a way that you have never experienced before And so, friends, no no matter how many times you've denied Jesus, no matter how many times we've chosen sinful ways instead of uh, the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus, um, no matter how long we've treated Jesus as if he's dead, we can turn to him and he will bless us if we do this new turning. Now, let me finish like this. If you don't embrace and align yourself with the internet age, well, so be it, right? There's, there's some people here uh, that hasn't done that to my shock. When COVID hit, I realized that they don't have internet and they don't have computers. They don't have smartphones. It was like, a, whoa, what's going on here? And you know what? They're surviving. Life is going, life is going on. No biggie. But if you don't join this new age uh, of the reigning Lord Jesus... Well, uh, the, the age of his spirit, well, then you're cut off from the people of God. Did you, did you see that in chapter 3, verse 22 to 23? This is what Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that great prophet will be destroyed from the people. See, Jesus is the prophet like Moses that God promised in Deuteronomy 18. And Moses said, hey, once that guy arrives, and he has now arrived, you listen to him. 
Do whatever he tells you. You you know what Moses is saying? Hey, guys, my words no longer define who the people of God are. The word of Jesus Christ defines who the people of God is. So if you stay in the old age of Moses and the law, and that might look different for many people as you try and save yourself through doing different things and not doing other things, and you don't move along into this new age of Jesus and the Spirit, you'll be cut off from the people of God. The consequences are much, much more serious than just not uh, kind of tuning in with the internet age. It means that you'll be cut off from the blessings of God. We see that in chapter 3, verse 25. Look at that with me. This is the last bit we're going to look at. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him, that's Jesus, to you first, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. You see, Jesus is the offspring of Abraham, that through whom God will bless all the peoples of the earth. And if you don't join yourself to him in this new age, um, as he is the new temple and, and turning to him, well, you'll miss out on the blessings of God, whatever they might be. The blessings of God no longer come through a particular ethnic group or, or a particular family line or or a certain race, uh, or a nation, it only comes through the risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's some questions for you. Have you repented and turned to him? Are you repenting and turning to him continuously? Are you living in light of this new age, sharing the good news of of, of Jesus boldly with people? And if you don't believe him, are you boldly turning to him? knowing that he's at work? And are you being built up as part of this new temple of God as you trust in Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, we live in this world and and we live in this worldly age, but in in the Lord Jesus, in his death and his resurrection, especially in his ascension and The pouring out of the Holy Spirit, we see a new age has dawned on us. And this world and this age is going to come to an end. In fact, I think the Bible teaches us that it only gets worse over time. But we can be part of your new age that you have revealed to us in Jesus. And be part of a a new building and experience you and your presence in a new and fresh way. And so, Lord, may we not leave here and not align ourselves with this new age. Thank you so much for sharing this with us today. We pray that by your Spirit you would make us understand this more and more and help us this week to to turn back to you in ways. And, And even as we come to communion now, that we would reflect and think, how have we sinned? How do we need to turn back in this new way that you've shared with us? that we might indeed be part of your people, that we might experience times of refreshment and goodness and life and and experience this power of yours that can change our lives so radically. So thank you for this time. We do pray that you be at work in us. We know we're living in the time when you're busy working the Lord Jesus through your spirit and your apostolic word, and we've looked at that this morning. So don't let us down. Be at work in us, we pray not only for your glory, but for our good. And we pray this in your mighty and holy name.
that we saw so powerfully at work this morning. Amen.